Hi and welcome to Dynamics Update. It's now the middle of August and we are back from a well-needed vacation. And with we, I of course I mean Gustav Sundblad as always. Hello, Hello. everyone. Hi. Nice to be back. Are you are you rested? Uh, yes, but I've actually been working for almost three weeks now, so it's. Uh, I'm almost in need of a new vacation, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. Yep. I've been back for about two weeks, so I'm I'm fully fully back in the same speed. It's almost like as if the summer never happened. Um, but some some happy memories, at least. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but we are here today to talk about uh, the version ten point zero point thirty six, and. I would actually like to start with one thing, and uh, that is that uh, we are actually right now on uh, 10.0.36 version 2 instead of version yeah. 1, <laughs> because uh, apparently there were some uh, really nasty bugs in version 1. We actually noticed some of them. Yeah, we so... had one, uh, if we suspect it was part of it, right? But uh, at least it got, it it went away with version 2. So Exactly. So there there is, for you who are running the preview, there is actually a second version of the preview that I really urge you to install. Because if Microsoft releases a new version of the preview, then it's probably pretty serious. So <laughs> you should probably listen to them. Basically, I mean, our issue was we could not post anything at all in the environment. So, and it's a preview, and it's a we. This is one of our internal environments, and we have a lot of stuff enabled in that environment. But still, um, now it now it's back to normal and working. So, I would suspect there were some under the hood issues there that needed to be fixed. But it's yes. good. It's good that they are on top of it and that they release it. And still, it's a preview version. So, never ever deploy preview to production <laughs> or, <laughs> unless or you're anywhere close. Reading file. No, <laughs> unless you're really wild. Uh, and, and I would also like to say that um, apart from the version 10.0.36 that popped out uh, sometime during the summer, we also got the release wave uh, during the summer, uh, which, as we've mentioned before, is sometimes sort of a marketing stunt and sometimes more of a preview of what is going to come in the upcoming releases. So it's it's the the wave is basically a way for Microsoft to be able to re, to to uh, bundle release notes out, into yeah. bundle release notes into a nice document and and uh, and send them out in bundles. But what you need to know is that what's in the release notes is actually not available all of it. Some of it is available and some of it is uh, coming. Yeah. It's a way to point out the direction and, and to, to know what's coming. It's not on like this, this and this entity is coming. It's more on a functional level. It would be nice to know which entities are coming in, in like further versions ahead. Uh, but that's um, maybe something to, to wish for later on. So, you know, you don't, if you, you don't need to build something that's coming. Yep. But it's, it's the best we have. Yep. It's uh, it's pretty comprehensive, and as you say, a lot of this stuff is like coming soon. It's not always super detailed, um, but at least if you have a discussion or an, an impending need, then reach out to some of your um, representatives. Maybe they can help out with getting some more information. Who knows? Yes. So let's get started. You're up first. 
Oh, thank you. Uh, it's a uh, to- favorite topic of mine here is the uh, inventory visibility. We've been discussing this a number of times since it came out. I work a lot in retail, um, so the the, no- the notion of like group on hand on hand is always a question or a challenge. How to get? It's about performance. It's about um, trusting the on hand figures, and uh, if you have um, multiple systems and multiple uh, channels. Uh, it always becomes a problem. So visibility is a really nice add-in for that uh, because it allows you to to uh, offset your on-hand API calls from a performance perspective, as well as use multiple different sources um, for for getting on the hand. And it's it's really like for each release, it's gotten some new nice features with reservation possibilities and fencing, etc. Um, now the feature that's coming now is native integration between commerce. And visibility. Uh, I actually tried enabling this, but I, I could not see it in this 36 version we have available to us now. So it might be that this is one of those coming soon, uh, as in not when it was supposed to come. Uh, but but if it's in 37, uh, I'll, I'll let you know. But basically what it does is it allows from store commerce or from headless commerce, uh, you'll have the option as, as of using visibility as a provider. So you'll be able to see from store commerce other on-hand providers uh, than exist in FNO. Previously, it's been more like a supply chain feeding visibility app. Uh, you could work through, with transactions, with, with the reservations and offsets. So it, it was good, but this is really, really a good solution when you have the scenario of multiple, let's say, sister brands, sister channels, where they might not reside in the same system, same tenant, but you still want to be able to see for replenishment purposes or for um, upsell where you can, well, we don't have it, but our sister store over here has it. Um, and it seems it's a very nice thing that, that's coming uh, out of the box then. Uh, I was looking into extending this from commerce and calling the API uh, directly, but now it seems to be it seems to be native. So to be continued, uh, it says it's listed in the 36 notes, uh, but I couldn't actually see it in the 36, even in the version two that we have now. Um, so I'll try to investigate some more until next time. Yes. So my first one is actually also on the commerce or uh, retail track. And that has to do with such a simple thing as receipt numbers. Uh, Mm. if you have legal requirements that you need, uh, uh, that you have strict requirements for unique receipt IDs then you can actually have the commerce scale unit pick up the number sequence for the receipts every time it restarts so that you don't miss out on any receipt numbers in your in your uh, number sequence yeah that's really cool i mean it's a very minor detail you would think but it's actually pretty important with numbering not only for legal purposes you have a lot of auditing in many countries which they are very very strict about this but also from, uh, I know for uh, like previous, not this was not dynamics, but uh, issues with receipt numbers, because you don't want receipt numbers to be in the millions. They want to be like nice little tiny numbers in many cases. And when the stores went offline for an extended period of time, <laughs> they had some issues because it kind of hit the limit. They had to do a reset from, from HQ side. So re- take care of your receipt number sequences because they might come back and bite you if you don't... <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. So what's your next one? 
Uh, we're on the commerce topic anyway. I just noticed that there are some um, enhancements to the loyalty card functionality, specifically that you can define um, types. You could be a little bit more granular in how you want to use your card types. Um, you can define it as a tender, so you can like redeem um, reward points. Uh, you could use it as a contact tender, which means that you can redeem reward points um, like from any card. If you have multiple loyalty systems going you maybe you don't want the customer to have the, like multiple cards you can just identify use the card to identify the customer and then um, reward them anyway so it's um, it's a little bit bread and butter and I know a lot of, of customers are using external loyalty but I think it's um, it covers a lot of the basis for for what you would expect from a loyalty program really so if you don't have very very complicated needs look into the loyalty functionality yes um, and then I think you bounced one over to me because this is actually one of my my favorite areas that is coming. In. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. I thought I won't steal it from you. So in in FNO, and it has to do with with the database maintenance and archiving, of course. Uh, so we've discussed the feature around archiving, and the thing is that that this is actually split up into multiple things. So first of all, you have the main setup for archiving. Uh, how to do it and 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 what batch jobs is going on and then microsoft is going to activate specific tables where we archive things going forward mm -hmm. and as i understand it what will happen is that we will actually have like a, a history table where we move things over um, from the original table so we are actually uh, removing things from the original database physically yeah. And we are then moving it out into a data lake eventually, because in the data lake it will be available for uh, reporting and for uh, AI and everything like that. So meaning that if we do uh, intelligence on our data, we will still get the entire history of data. It will just not just be in FNO, so it will be removed from FNO. But one of the cool things here is that you will actually be able to revert them to restore them back into the database once they have been removed and exactly how this is going to work <laughs> is it's not really <laughs> fixed yet it it, it will uh, i i think the impression is that it is coming and it, it's really really cool that it's if we by mistake archive something or if we for instance have uh, changed legal requirements all of a sudden then we can actually move the data back uh, which which might show up, up to be a bit tricky. But one thing I'm actually hoping for here is that, <clears throat> because I, I would want to be able to export, say, an AX2012 database into the same format that's in the data lake. That would be really would nice, help. because if we could, then we can actually throw away all of those uh, AX2012 instances that, that we have lying around for historical purposes. And we put everything in the same data lake. Okay, you mean the read-only ones that are that are up and running? <clears throat> yes. Or do you mean the AX2012? Okay, the, because <laughs> don't forget the customizations. <laughs> no, but uh, that's a good point. I mean, um, a lot of people, I think a lot of people save storage um, on those old instances by like doing a one-box solution. <laughs> but yeah, it makes sense. And, and if nothing else, to streamline the data, because then you have it in the same format. But, the the uh, problem isn't just the VM and the instance. 
the problem is that eventually you will actually have an issue even being able to connect to it and start the client and and getting get, yeah, getting into it so i i see this more not as a cost saving thing but more as a as a future proofing thing i mean yeah. if it's okay for us to archive things from fno to data lake it should be okay for us to archive ax2012 to data lake as long as you do it in the exact same format, yeah. But that's that's right. I wouldn't want to be the developer here to 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 get the work item. You need to enable <laughs> restoring data back. Uh, I mean, in all essence, it, if it's table stored, it shouldn't be that complicated. Uh, it should be just. I mean, you're how do you select Gustav. the correct records? I mean, I would say that just <laughs> just connected to the FNO uh, instance, getting all of the and metadata for all of the tables and then just pushing AX2012 out into the same format. It's it's okay. You have the entire weekend. Just go crazy. Yeah, I'm more of like worried about someone accidentally like sneezes and, and selects the, all the archive and just forgets it and goes home. And then when you come on Monday, you have accidentally restored 10 years of financial transactions. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, because... It, so it I would, just see a lot of issues here, right? It would be a, a fantastic data migration uh, solution if we could just export yeah, it to books. Data Lake and yeah, just absolutely. push it back into the, the FNO environment. No, yeah, absolutely. But yeah... No, but it, of course, uh, if you uh, if you accidentally if you enable deletion, which it is here, basically you're deleting data off your primary ERP database. So you're moving it somewhere else, but you're actually deleting it as well. Uh, then a fallback or rollback option is very nice. So I think that makes sense. Uh, I would imagine this would be for specific financial scenarios where you normally have these legal requirements. Um, you, there is already archiving of sales orders um, available you can delete them there's a number of scenarios that don't require from a legal perspective that you actually save it it's more from data maintenance perspective so from a legal uh, i would imagine this this is mainly for like um, financial transactions and, and stuff that is being regulated yes uh, i was actually coming to that because what it has to do with in this exact release is actually um uh, inventory transactions, so so uh, journals and and uh, so on, uh, and and I think as as I said before, the point is that we are actually purging the data, so we need to be a bit careful. But I also <laughs> yeah. think that uh, doing our homework and making sure that we don't save things just because we can is probably a good idea. Yeah, and I'm again here imagining the poor developer, hopefully developers, uh, that's doing this um, also based on the, the changes in the Inventrans um, uh, logic for warehouse work, etc. So all the same, I mean, there must be some kind of, of um, <laughs> you can only move it back for an, a period of time because we're changing the way the system works as well. So you can't restore data exported from version 26 into a version 36 database without at least some issues i would nope. imagine so i guess so uh, <laughs> i'm not going to dive into it uh, i'm just hoping that it works uh, or i actually i hope i never have to use it <laughs> the restoring part i mean uh yep. <laughs> so if my next topic here i'm sliding into finance um fun fact is um importing or the automatic importing of a bank statements um, i thought actually before this release uh, i encountered this actual procedure 
and I couldn't understand why this was not already super easy to implement. Uh, but it wasn't there. It was not easy to automatically import a bank statement. So you had to build something. It wasn't that complicated. But this feature here allows for importing back bank statement files from a SharePoint folder. Um, and you can set up recurrence rules and you can like every every day or every month. So you can build a process that revolves around putting files on SharePoint. And I wondered why, because my, I would like uh, put it on a blob somewhere. Um, why, why use SharePoint here? But it makes sense because the most people downloading bank statement, statement files are finance controllers. Um, and maybe you don't want to give them access to network area storages um, or uh, blobs. Uh, they don't want to use Azure Storage Explorer uh, normally. So it makes sense from a process perspective uh, that you have uh, someone who downloads the bank statement file, they put it on SharePoint, then you have a job to automatically import it. You don't need to spend a lot of money building APIs towards towards the banks. Um, banks change and they, God knows, every bank have their own their own flavor of APIs and, and formats, etc. So. Um, I would do it this way. I would let someone download it and put it on a SharePoint folder somewhere uh, and then set up a, jo a job to import it. That, that's the peak level of automation here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and on the subject of cleaning, uh, my next uh, feature here is actually related to data management. And um, it has to do with the fact that when we do data management jobs, we, first of all, uh, accumulate a lot of history logs, which is um, bad enough. But uh, uh, above that, we also accumulate a lot of staging tables and data in staging tables, especially if we hmm. do big bulk loads of data, they end up in the staging table and they are not being automatically removed, uh, which means that they are still in the FNO database because uh, that's where they are located. This is actually an automatic cleanup feature. Before we could actually, if I remember correctly, we could actually build uh, batch jobs that did this for us, that cleaned these things for us. Um, now it's actually a feature that is on by default, which means that everything in DMF, staging tables and history is erased after 90 days, period. Oh, yeah. And that makes a lot of, you should already have this in place, but if you don't, then we, we will do it for you. <laughs> That's a good, yeah. nice way of writing. You can probably set it up to be much faster than 90 days, but yeah. 90 days is, and, and I think this is an important part because this has to do with the fact that there is a capacity meter in Power Platform Admin Center, which tells you that most of you guys are, like 300% over your allotted limit for your FNO database. So this is yeah. uh, this is a, a low-hanging fruit to get the database in a sort of better shape. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. Yes. Um, yeah, a, a little, I can do two because my first one here is just a very small one. Um, Financial tags, they are taking over the world. Uh, now they are available for sales orders, um, for packing slips and customer invoice documents. So um, if you're not using it and you have a need to, to track or reconcile data, it may, it's the old AX Exapta dimensions on the table, uh, all back now and not as complicated as, as real financial dimensions. 
Uh, but now they're available on sales orders as well. Um, and they will basically be all over the place when, once they're done, uh, I suspect. Um, another topic that I noted and I actually started testing as well is the um, credit and collections. That's like the most, well, uh, not going to say boring part, but when you need to friendly first remind your customers that they need to pay and then you need to kind of ramp it up and then actually send it to a collector. There is a collections uh, coordinator workspace, which is new. It's basically a timeline view of um, of that interaction with the um, with the customer. So you have a collections agent working in that workspace where you can really see what, what has actually happened here from a timeline perspective, which is nice. Um, and I think the collection component, a lot of people work with third-party collectors, uh, collector agency, that does not exclude that you can actually work in FNO as well. You can do, you can set up the process of working with collections, but then you can actually send it to another third party to do the actual collection because normally people, if I understand it correctly, speaking with people in the, in the industry, you get a higher percentage of people paying when you have a known uh, something scary coming in the mail. If they, if you just, if they have your friendly brand on the letter, they, they don't pay. But if you have a scary collection agency name <laughs> on the letter, then they pay. Uh, but using this coordinator workspace, you you can do it within Dynamics. Um, and it's it's really nice. And, and one of the features that comes on top of that is the AI-generated um, summary based on this uh, all the information that we have available to us. Um, you can actually have FNO pre-generate uh, a summary and an email. It's a draft, of course, so someone, some human, hopefully, actually can read it <laughs> first before you send it out. Um, it's a pretty, it's a nice little AI feature to just make things easier. You don't need to, okay, what happened first and then this happened. It's basically just generating. We can see that you haven't paid this order on this date, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it gives you this um, bulk and then you can edit it. To be able to use this, uh, and I implore you to do this, you need to do like walk through the setup uh, of installing Copilot and then installing these AI components from your linked power platform. So if you haven't gotten the go ahead to do that yet, you might want to use this as a, as a way in to do it um, in your environment of choice. Uh, it's not super complicated, but um, uh, if you try to enable the feature before that, you will just the feature can't be enabled. You need to, it'll just be read. You will have to uh, walk through the setup of Copilot and uh, upgrading the virtual entities in Dataverse, and then you'll be able to activate this feature and try it out. I just I haven't tried it out in Swedish, uh, so I suspect it's uh, it's better suited for English right now. Um, uh, but it's it's a really cool pitch at least to look at how to implement AI in your daily work. Yes. And uh, to top you off, uh, having two features in the same one, I will <laughs> give you not none less than four. <clears throat> but the thing they all have in common is because they have to do with interoperability between CRM and FNO. So this is actually one thing I picked up from the Wave release document from Microsoft. I told you that it was mostly sales pitch, but in this case, it's actually some clarifications around the one Dynamics one platform story coming up. So uh, we have four features. The first one is simplify access to Dataverse by, fin by finance and operations apps. So how do we access Dataverse from finance and operations? 
The second one is dual right availability expands to different countries. So that's a good thing. Dual right is the way we move data between um, FNO and CRM. The next one is improvement of virtual tables. So in case we don't want to move the data from uh, FNO to CRM, we can actually access the data from CRM anyway from a virtual table, uh, which uses uh, OData or an API to get the data from, from FNO. And improved performance, actually, the reason for this is because it's being used to bulk export data that way. So that's the reason why we have the improved performance in this case. And the final one is also related to dual write, and it has to do with uh, application lifecycle management of dual write solutions. So this means that you can actually build an application lifecycle which is automated around your uh, field mappings and, and table mappings in dual write. So you save them and you can actually uh, automate the moving of them between different environments in order to get everything as smooth as possible for moving things between uh, dev, test, UET to production eventually. Yeah, it's really nice. <clears throat> so that's that's really nice, but but that actually shows us that the fact that Microsoft nowadays is treating FNO like a, a very tightly connected suite Couple. of applications is something that's sort of not going away. Uh, the, the title <laughs> says it all. One Dynamics, one platform. Yeah, I wasn't thinking it was going away. <laughs> I, I don't think. I, I hope no one hoped that. Um, it's pretty clear. And I think that's a when doing these, um, these sessions, um, Normally, we go through all the documentation and try to like pick out the cherry pick the ones that are most interesting based off um, the information we have and what's on what what's new topics and it's important. Uh, and I think we stressed this before as well to not only stay in the FNO like my safe space here. You need to branch out and also understand because these things do have implications. Um, the batch jobs, all the things that you mentioned here, Johannes. Uh, are things that will impact the way the platform works. And in the end, I mean, just the archiving um, that we discussed here. Um, so also Dataverse, uh, the cross-platform components and the one dynamics. Uh, it's important to to read up on that and to understand how it will impact your way of working. Even if you're just using FNO, um, it, will, it will have an impact. I have one final thing actually. Uh, I would be amiss if I wouldn't men if I wouldn't mention this. Um, a friend of mine, a colleague at the, the office, uh, apparently supply chain people are very happy about this. <laughs> so um, it's a feature for selling and pricing product bundles. Basically, you can sell a bundle of items on, and this is in supply chain. Then, so on, like on a sales order, you can you can have a product bundle. When you add it to the sales order, it will explode the items. It's not like a bill of material. It will explode the items and price them according to the product bundle price. So you, you can have a set of items that are sold at a specific price and it handles the inventory transactions correctly. And this has apparently been um, lacking a little bit. Uh, so a lot of people seems to be happy about it. I want to mention it. Uh, it's coming in, in, in version 36. Um, it will replace what's previously used in revenue recognition for mm -hmm. bundles, but um, uh, I haven't tested it out myself. I, I will have my <laughs> supply chain colleagues do that and come back with a review.
Yes, I also actually have a very, very short one on supply chain. Uh, that's not FNO per se, but it actually has to do with the warehouse application. We discussed, uh, I think it was the last version uh, show that we did. We discussed uh, doing um, application insight monitoring of uh, the warehouse application yeah. and what it did. And you could follow and, and actually trace what it did from, from, from application insights. And if you do warehouse applications... There is one thing that you will absolutely bump into in every single case. And that's the fact that you don't have enough Wi-Fi coverage in your warehouse. <laughs> it, it never goes away. It's always an issue. I haven't been in any large warehouse implementation there where Wi-Fi hasn't been sort of an issue. Dead zones, yeah. <clears throat> exactly. And the thing here is that with version 2.1.12.0 of the warehouse application <laughs> app, it is actually reporting Wi-Fi signal strength through the warehouse mm. app to application insights. So you can actually That's get the nice. you can actually get the heat map of your warehouse to try to figure out exactly where you have issues with your Wi-Fi. This That's is really cool. so cool. Yeah activate it and let's see all your heat maps yeah. uh, but that's really because a nice little feature and it helps a lot uh, because that does prevent efficiency yep. cool yep so with that i think we are done for today uh, we have a couple of things in the pipe in this autumn we are going to talk a bit about analytics we are going to yep. do some interviews again we will continue with those as well so there are interesting shows coming up but uh, for now for today we are done. Thank you, everyone, and uh, hear from you. you next time. Bye bye. Goodbye. Take care.